Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish from maintenance to mission. My name is Dan Rourke, and today we have an awesome show ahead of us. We've got Joanna DePaula visiting from London. Of course, Joanna works with uh, Alpha. She's um, the What's her job title? Anybody paying attention? Alpha in a Catholic context, but she's development the manager. Something yes, like yes. Alpha in a Catholic. Anyways, she's an we'll, important we'll, person. We'll be bringing her on shortly. But 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 Ron, it's good to see you, buddy. How are you doing today? Great, thanks. Awesome. And Father James, it's so nice to have you along with us today. So look, guys, it's been a, a crazy and interesting time. It always is at, at our ministry, but it's also a crazy and interesting time in our diocese. And I know, Father James, because you've got this role where you work with parishes and, and pastors all over the world, you also work very locally, though, with our own diocese. Why don't you give us a sense of what you're seeing and, and just give us a peek into what's happening in our own archdiocese? Uh, well, I like to say that some days I'm I'm both uh, excited and terrified at the same time, <laughs> uh, because what we're proposing is, is, is pretty crazy, and I, I'm really proud of my diocese. I'm proud of our, our, our bishop for taking this on because the, the, the issue of, of the infrastructure, the diocesan infrastructure hampering the mission, it, that problem is all over the world, mm. you know, because we've got to constantly ask the question is, is our structure, our systems, our ways of doing things, are they, uh, are they uh, helping the mission or hindering the mission? And, and always, if your, if your model, your structure is more important than your mission, it will, it will, not just hinder, it will kill your mission. So we've been struggling with this for, for many years. And, and at really, you know, if we're, if we're losing, if we're in decline, uh, so often we spiritualize and we say, oh God, you know, God, God, God is going to change that. He won't let that happen. And I think, I think that God does desire to do something new, but God is also waiting for us to do something new as well Amen. so he can do something mm. new. It's like a kind of a spiritual law. God chooses to work through human agency for the most part, and he wants our cooperation. And, and so we're looking at our situation and saying, okay, um, if we just do this gradual thing, you know, if you retreat from one losing position to another, guess what keeps happening? You keep losing. And, and that's what a lot of places do. You have this gradual uh, dying process. So what are we doing in our diocese? We're looking uh, for the for, for first and foremost uh, to communicate a new vision for parishes. And it's really missionary language. We're talking about parishes that have a clear uh an effective tool for evangelization, a process to disciple people, uh, a vital experience of community in small groups, a, a means of raising up leaders, of identifying giftedness. It's, it all sounds very, very familiar, but this is the kind of vision of parish church that our bishop is talking about. And in order to do that, we're saying we're going to begin by addressing the infrastructure, and that means looking at all of our different dioceses. So we're radically reducing the numbers of parishes uh, from what we have on paper, 65 parishes, 25 missions. We're taking them down to 19. That's huge. Yeah. And people are like, what? 19? Uh, no. Gotta, see, here's, here's what I find. People often get confused with the word parish. What is, what is a parish? Exactly. Exactly. Because when we say parishes, we don't necessarily mean uh, church buildings. Uh, so, or does it necessarily mean a particular community of people? Because the parish can be a community of communities in several buildings. So we're looking at moving towards the 19 canonical parishes. That's in, in church law, we have 19. So perhaps in a particular region, you would have had three churches. And maybe one priest was serving two and one priest had one. They, for instance, could become one parish. Those three buildings might remain open. Mm -hmm. uh, they There'll still be masses there, but uh, possibly the, the new leadership has to determine what the best use of resources are in terms of buildings and mass times and, and, and such. But in these new, uh, new groupings, here's what we're aiming for, and here's what's so different. Our goal 
is that no priest will be by himself. So a lot of our parishes right now, you've got, it's the priest and there's maybe a secretary, but the priest effectively is carrying everything by himself. He, uh, and there's a lot of isolation. Uh, and so our vision is that every parish will have at least two active priests in ministry. You might have possibly a retired priest also to help out, maybe some deacons, some lay people in full-time leadership. So right away what we're saying is even if it's spread out around, around a broader region, every parish is going to have a team. And priests are going to have to learn how to work out of a so team. Nobody's going to be ministering alone. And also... Uh, the role of, of the, the new pastor, we're looking at the language from canon law of moderator, which is effectively you have, you're the leader, but it's a slightly different term that, that, that signifies that it's not simply a repeat of what we had in the past. Because here's right. the thing, when you change things or you, you, you begin to look at the future, it's very normal for us to simply cut and paste our experience from the past onto the future, onto our vision of the future. And so what we envision is those who will be moderators those are the ones we're going to discern who who's going to serve in that capacity because right now, pretty much every priest in active parish ministry is a pastor with a few right. very small exceptions. And so we want someone in that role who, number one, we've got a sense that that person has the gifting, uh, that they've discerned it, uh, that they're actually willing to actually lead mm. and and learn and willing to learn to lead. And and so those are some of the considerations into that role. And when the, the priest who's in the leadership role is will have to rely on his team and the other priests to help minister to the parish, because we all know that when you step into leadership, that's a lot of work. But here's the final piece I'll just say before I stop talking, because I'm giving you a really long I'm answer. Gonna, I want to ask a question too when you're yeah. done. <laughs> so just the, the final piece. So our hope, our goal is that as we restructure that, the diocese is going to be able to provide a level of, of support and care that is unprecedented because even, even think about like the administrative um, work, you know, in the, you know, in, in a financial office to go from basically 90 legal units down to 19 in time. I mean, the amount of work that that's going to mm. take is going to be greatly reduced, but we want to really provide a level of support in the field to parishes as we begin to walk with them and, and help them to learn how to, how to you know, function as teams because a lot of us, we don't know how to do that. And, and so one, one of our hopes is that we would gather uh, parish leadership once a month with the bishop, like once a month the moderators would meet with the, with the bishop in the afternoons. It might be the leadership teams or all the priests, you know, you would, mm. you would ro- rotate it. And in those sessions we can drill into some of the things that we often do in divine renovation. You know, you look at, you know, forming teams and functioning well as teams and getting healthy and, and also setting those goals. Because when we talk about restructuring to, to work, to see a diocesan church where parishes are evangelizing and discipling and forming a community, well, we're going to have to come up with ways to say, okay, how are you doing with that? Right. And if you're not doing well, well, let's, let's have that conversation to help you. And if that conversation keeps going on and nothing's happening, then we're going to have that conversation too. Yeah. So anyway, that's a general sense of what it is that we're hoping to do. Love it. And that's what I was going to ask you. Like, what does success look like? Am I, like if I was a, a priest and I was a moderator, chosen as a moderator, you know, that, that engaging people in that conversation about what to say, like, here's what we want you to do, but doing things doesn't always equal success because we can do the same thing and get completely different results. And so, but if we agree on what success looks like, well, then I can self-evaluate too while I'm doing it. And and that's going to be helpful. And it helps me also to receive 
receive help better. Yeah. If I know what success looks like because we've agreed on it and I'm doing whatever you're doing and I'm not getting the same results and I can tell I'm not getting the same results, then I'm much more likely to be able to receive help because I've already agreed that I too want to get those results. And so, you know, that's why... And we get very nervous when we talk about results in the church because we used to say, well, that's unspiritual, you know, and we often have a theology around it, especially with, with, with sacraments because... The, right. the degree of the of the fruit of sac the the effect of sacraments uh, from an here's a big word from an ontological perspective they're mm-hmm. they're invisible and that's kind of hmm, convenient <laughs> I mean imagine <laughs> having a job where it's like yeah here's here's all the results of my work it's all invisible uh, and 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 <laughs> it's just like have to trust yeah, yeah I mean I believe in the ontological effects of sacraments but we need to start working on fruitfulness. Like Amen. the Lord spoke so much about fruitfulness and, and f- fruit is something you can see and touch. Mm. And, and so we need to get comfortable with that. Mm, I yeah. agree. And so, sometimes people would say in that context, people will say, well, you don't know what's going on in somebody's heart. And I always say, yes, you do. You ask them because if somebody has had their heart transformed by Jesus Christ and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, Mark my words, they're happy to tell you about it. Yeah. But we don't even ask because we're afraid of what the answer might be. So we just yeah. assume that everything's and, fine. And it's the same struggle as, <laughs> as we had at St. Benedict Parish in, in those years. And we've also at Divine Renovation Ministry, we've, we've worked it out. The distinction between uh, output and, and impact right. or, or output and outcomes. Mm. You know, so often we measure output. We, we say, here's what I did. Here's all the, this shows you how busy I've been and how hard we've worked. But the question is, did it work? Right. Has it borne fruit? What, what, what are the, what are the outcomes? Mm -hmm. And we're less comfortable with that. Um, So, but what you, you measure communicates what's important and that in turn shapes culture, which is a key part of this, of this whole thing. So, so we would be seeking to measure the same things as, as we, we kind of are right now in the network, you know, If you have an evangelization tool like Alpha, um, how many guests? Uh, what percentage of unchurched people? Because the diocese has been clear that we want an evangelistic tool that's accessible to people on the outside. Because right. oftentimes when we ask parishes in our diocese, they'll say, oh, we're doing this. And we say, well, what percentage of non-church goers? And it's like 0%. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, well, that's, let's have a conversation about that. Same with small groups or, or uh, you know, you know Whatever, you know, yeah. like we're, we're going to start to be intentional about that. That's fun. And and what's really cool, and I think the opportunity that, that Bishop, like, because I know there are all kinds of other dioceses going through this right now as well. And I think the opportunity all of those diocesan teams and bishops have is can you uncover the passion in your pastors? Because they too, if they're not now, they once were really excited about making a difference in the world in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you can, if you can find that again, if you can dust off and unpile things from that and 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 let that be birthed again what we're talking about is often the same thing and we it starts from a common understanding not here's our new plan this is the behavior we need you darn well better do it because we're watching you yeah. wrong motive that's right <laughs> wrong that's <right>. motive <laughs> it's hey here's how god's impacted yeah. my life how's the impact and, yours? and, and, and we, we want to you we want you to experience this fruitfulness yeah. and we want you to experience the fulfillment of, of what got you into this to begin with. Right. It's not about, you know, we're keeping the score and you're going to be in trouble if you don't. No, n- n- not at all. Not, not at even all. Close, I wanted yeah. to, to talk really briefly. We, we actually got together with the uh, senior leadership team at St. Benedict Parish recently. So we've got the Divine Renovation leadership team and yeah. the St. Benedict Parish leadership teams. We got together and we, we, we do this every now and then. 
Uh, and we had a great conversation. We, we got to share some stories, but we also got to t- talk about planning something, so an upcoming event that's going to be invite only. Uh, and it's, it's, the, it's the Christmas party, Father James. No, it's not. <laughs> it's the Advent party. <laughs> I had to fight for that one for many years. And you won. You won. And I even tried to see a Father, Father Simon in the new pastor. What is it? Is it a Christmas party or an Advent party? Well, there, was moment, yeah, there was that moment where he's like, so uh, let's talk about the Advent party. And a few of us were like, uh, the, the what party? Oh, the Christmas party. That's what you mean. Okay, yeah, the, we can talk about that. Uh, and so, you know, our, our, our teams will be coming together to, to celebrate that season. But I, I do want to talk a little bit about why you are so hard on it being called an Advent party. Because it's the season of Advent. Christmas begins for us on December 24th and lasts for 12 days, 12 days of Christmas. We've been overtaken by the dominant culture. And I think language is important and I think it provokes an an awareness. Oh yeah, the whole point of Advent is almost not yet. And if we're not feeling it, if if liturgy, if the seasons of of the, the church are only felt for one hour a week in the, in the, as we, as we celebrate the Eucharist, then what the heck does the, is the meaning of liturgy if it doesn't overflow? Love Especially it. if a, if the staff of a church are, are not kind of living it out. So yeah, we, we come together. It's an Advent party, and you feel the you feel the tension already, but not yet. Not well, it's yet. Interesting. Not yet. I must. I have to speak from somebody who didn't grow up like that. I grew up in the church, but I'm more influenced by the the popular culture in that area and that stance you've taken because nobody's probably fought it more than me (laughs) but it really has formed me in a really important way and i need to be formed i want to be formed by the church but some of us don't know how and so for you guys as clergy who understand that and really are leaning into that i appreciate it i fight you on it but thanks for fighting back (laughs) because it matters and and i appreciate it so anyway i get a kick because he gets he gets so riled up when you talk about it It's it's kind of fun to poke him but i'll say this you know we recently celebrated um uh, Antoine's birthday, Antoine being the seminarian who's who's here with us at, at Divine Renovation for, for a year. And I got to be honest, we celebrated the day after his birthday and I did not hear you saying happy day, happy day after your birthday too. You didn't say, so as hard as you are on, on Advent, you know, you, you break the rules in terms of, you know, whether or not you're, or not, you're not quite the same thing, Dan. Not nice the same. Try. That's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we'll be right back with, uh, with Joanna DePaula. Welcome back, and thank you for, for joining us, Joe, Joanna DePaul. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's it's such a pleasure to have you, not just on the podcast, but in town, because you've been here mm. for, for a number of days, and you've been spending time with our team, with the team at St. Benedict Parish, and it's been a real joy having you around. Now, for people who are joining us and, and, and listening, uh, why don't you just you know tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, so, I grew up in Brazil, so I apologize now for the weird accent. <laughs> so, I learned American English, then uh, been living in England for 20 years via Australia, so I've got yeah. a bit of 20 everything. years? Yeah. Via and, Australia? Yeah, so I spent three years in Australia. So, you've got a, a Brazilian, American, Aussie... English br- accent. English accent. Yeah. Okay. So. I'm working on the Canadian. And we're working on the Canadian. Right now, guys. <laughs> yeah, I might, I might get that by the end of the trip. Uh, so yeah, so I grew up in Brazil and I believed in God, but I wasn't practicing. My mom was lapsed. Uh, when we moved to England, um, a couple of years in, my mom decided that she wanted to start going to church again. So she said, hey God, show me a Catholic church. Comes downstairs and there's a leaflet inviting her for Alpha. Never heard of Alpha before, so she was like, chuck it in the bin. And then she reads Catholic Church, and she was like, oh, it's in the Catholic Church. So she picked it up, goes to the Catholic Church, uh, goes through Alpha, meets loads of people, start reading the Bible again, start going to church, and like completely transform. 
So she decided to trick the whole family into a beach <laughs> holiday to Italy uh, because St. Pope John Paul had just kind of established the Jubilee year and was inviting people back to the church. So my mom was like, okay, I'm going to take them over there. So <laughs> wow. off we come to Italy, enjoying the beach, great holidays, get to Rome. And my mom was like, right, so as a Mother's Day present, we are all going to confession. And we're like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's a present. And then she kind of like hits my dad and my dad was like, we're doing what she's telling us. And I'm like, oh man, what does that even mean? And then my older brother is like, do I tell them everything? Like, I feel like the priest is going to have a heart attack here. <laughs> everything My younger brother's like, I have nothing to say. I'm pretty good. <laughs> and so she makes us go through this door, the side door. And I'm like, why are we not going through the church and the main door? And she's like, nope, got to go through the side door because that's the main door. Uh, get to confession, massive queue, three kids like, come on, mom, we got to get out of here. Let's go outside, sunny. Let's go see the Coliseum, whatever. We'll come back later. My mom was like, no, we got to stay, we got to stay. And then suddenly this priest walks in and put a sign, Portuguese speaking. And my oh, mom was wow. like, that's us, we oh. speak Portuguese. Grab us all. So we all go through confession. And looking back now, there was just a sense of joy afterwards. We were like joking around and went from like fighting to being like, you know, mostly making fun of my dad that lasts like a second inside the confession. Uh, and then as we were walking out, my mom says, well, to her, to her thinks, I guess, um, here, here go, gods. I brought them, took them through the church. They've gone to confession. There is no way I can get them to mass. Like, this is on you. And as we're walking out of the church, the seminarian comes and started pushing the five of us into this room. And I'm, like, super excited. I thought I was going to meet the Pope. I was like, oh, somehow we got picked to meet the Pope. Uh, and then he pushes <laughs> us, last five chairs in this little chapel. And we walk in, we sit down, he closed the door, and this priest comes in. And I'm like, hey, mom, what's going on? And she's like, it's mass. <laughs> and I just remember standing there and being consumed with such like love and peace and like this awe that I'm Catholic, I claim to be, I know God, but I know nothing mm. about this faith. So I came out and I said to my mom, hey, I just want to find out more about faith. Like wow. I know nothing. How old were, were, were you yeah. back then? I was Joe? 20. 20, wow. And then my little brother who was 14, had similar experience, came out and said, hey mom, I want to find out more. So we started going to church, and then obviously they invited us for Alpha, because that's where you explore faith. Oh. Uh, and then, yeah, it just completely... And what was the name of your parish that you had so this experience St. Anne's Church in Kingston Hill. Wow. And we still, to this day, really good friends with the neighbor that invited my mom to Alpha through this postcard, mm. and with the families that like were in that parish. You just give me shivers. <laughs> Yeah, no, How did you think about that neighbor, that one act of... Inv- I mean, we wow. often say that one simple invitation can change lives. And wow. here's another what story. What was that person's name? Her name is Clarissa and so. Don is her husband. So, yeah. And we can all be that neighbor, can't we? We can all... we Because he's changed your life. And just getting to know you better since you've been in Halifax, you've changed so many lives. Like you impact so many parishes and priests and, and lay people. Like just hearing your stories, I didn't realize how connected we were because of the influence you've had on all kinds of other people. And that lady is the one who invited your mom. So that lady is changing hundreds, maybe thousands of lives through that invitation. But yeah, to this day, every time I see her, I'm like, you know, thanks to you. Here we are. Well, thanks to God, but yeah, thanks to your invitation. God used her. Yeah. Yeah. What was your Alpha experience like? Um, It was, it was really good. Like every, my mom was the youngest person there. (laughs) And so, but they were so lovely. They were just like completely welcome, so hospitable. It's 
completely the opposite of what I thought church would be like. Um, they were like non-judgmental, and I just I ask a million of questions because I'm one of those people who need to kind of understand and need to experience. So it's like constantly asking things, uh, and then the Holy Spirit. Well, the Alpha Weekend when mm. the Holy, when you learn about the Holy Spirit and then they pray for me, I just had like such a huge, huge impact. Like it completely transformed me, I guess. And I, I if it, it felt real, it was the point that I'm like, hey, he's mm. real, and I can have a relationship. I don't just need to come to him to ask for things like mm. that. I can now just talk to him and live with him. Um, but yeah, but they said to me, hey, if you want to experience Alpha with like young people, same age as you, you should check out HTB. Yep. And so it took me a while, but after a couple of years, I went to HTB and did Alpha there as well. And that's when they invited me to come help. I brought both my brothers into Alpha. So eventually my older brother also joined the church. So like the whole family's back that's now. Awesome. Wow. Um, yeah, came back a host, joined the connect group and, you know, had my, I guess my, my life developed through going to Catholic mass in the morning and then HTB in the afternoon. Very cool. So help me understand something, Joe. Your, your job title is... Alpha Catholic Context Development Manager. Now that's a long job title. Yeah. Uh, but but what, what's interesting is that it's it's Catholic context. It's not you know Alpha Catholic or Catholic Alpha or, or something. Catholic Alpha. What, so what, what, help us understand what, what what's the purpose of that terminology? So well, it's one Alpha, right? We all use the same product, uh, and so but it's run in the Catholic context. So our job in Alpha is to equip the churches in its mission, you know, to spread the gospel, to get more people discovering and living this life of Jesus. And what we focus on is helping Catholic churches do that. It's, there's just so many Catholic churches around the world. Uh, and so we're just helping them. But mostly part of my job is to help the coordinator. So there'll be Alpha offices around the world. Uh, and they are be ecumenically run. So there'll be a team or a person who looks after Catholic churches and then others that look after other churches. Uh, if the country is predominantly Catholic, then the person leading will be Catholic, but the rest of the team won't be. And so my job is to support them into kind of leaving this mission out. So whatever it is that they need. So, yeah, so I do social media. Yes. So I'll be the f- person behind Twitter and Facebook. Oh, that's you. Yeah. That <laughs> uh, yeah. So we've done a, a couple of Facebook lives from um, St. Benedict's, which has been great, super well received. Uh, and then also questions, like any questions they have. So it could be like leadership conference coming up. I had someone ask, how do I take a bunch of bishops from the U.S. and get a box for them? So I just connect them to the booking system. Mm-hmm. And then it could also be like, uh, Tom Miles from South Africa just wrote to me saying, hey, Father James came over for Divine Renovation Conference. All these churches are now like, what do we do? So mm-hmm. Tom was like, hey, can we get a call and figure out what everyone else is doing? But maybe I'm very happy Father that James I'm, can the, answer this. And I'm, I'm very just happy that, I'm creative, that, we're, that we're creating work for you. <laughs> That's true. That's our favorite impact of conferences and talks is, yeah. is when people begin to take evangelization seriously and recognize that, hey, we can do this too. Uh, that's what I love about what you guys do at Alpha. You just, it's like, it's a little bit like craft dinner. You just follow the directions and it works, yeah. <laughs> except it tastes better. <laughs> <laughs> now, Joe, I know one of the things that you've been involved with, at least in, in the past are around your work with Alpha is around communications and, and, and stories. Help me understand why do you think that's important? Well, I guess stories touch people, right? You need to, you can hear it, but it is not until you see it that you kind of experience. Um, and so we try to tell as many stories as possible just to make, um, make it real for people. Mm. Um, but you guys do that really well as well. 
like, and I met Jen. So I saw Jen at the R18 and her story. And I've been speaking to her. And every time I hear her share her story, I am just so moved mm. by it. I like the joy in her face and how far she's come. And, and I'm inspired by it. And I want, it inspires me to invite more people to off because I want more people to be like Jen. And I guess that's why we tell stories. So that inspires people to invite more people to try Alpha or, you know, to come to know Jesus. So you've been here at, at, with us uh, mm. in Halifax for a little while now. You're going to be here for a little while longer. Uh, but what's the experience been like? What, why did you, why are you here? Why are you here, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, why I'm here? Well, as part of my job supporting them, DR, Divine Renovation is just exploding around the world. So I'm getting more and more questions and I didn't want to just give theory. I wanted to leave an experience and be able to share it. Uh, and it was gr- it's great to see how you and Sam Benedict, like I was at the meeting, and it was just great to see how you guys, you know, there's just such trust and such relationship, how you guys do teams really well. So it's been really good for me seeing that. Uh, but I guess some of the key learnings for me is like, I've been here at Divine Renovation 16 and 18. I've been very blessed. Two conferences in Halifax. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And when you come into the church, like you're so welcome. Everyone is like super hospitable, but it is a conference. And you think, you know, they put the best people forward and there's loads of people globally. So like hospitality is going to be like super high up. And I came, my first Sunday was name tag Sunday. And as I walked <laughs> through the door, it was the same level of hospitality oh. I get at the conference. And I was like wow, like I was expecting it, but just not to get to that level. Mm. And yeah, I've just been so humble by hospitality. Like so parishioners are taking me in, I'm staying with parishioners and they're like just showering me up on love, inviting me for dinners, inviting me for lunch, trying to find, like they want to get to know me. Like I go to daily mass and everyone already knows me. They come to my, ta- like where I sit, they shake my hand. <laughs> How are you doing? I've been like with a cold. So people are like, hey, you got better. I brought you some medicine. And it's just so lovely. It feels like a community and mm. I haven't even been here that long and I already feel part of it. It's been great. That really warms my heart because, mm. you know, I think that's the greatest t- testimony is that, yeah, it, it's not different from from the conference because the conference we were just being ourselves mm. and and we, we we strive to continue to do that so that that makes me very very happy to hear that yeah. mm. it's been great we've had other people come back and do the same thing just drop in and not tell us they were coming just to see if this is legit yeah uh, haven't we like even then they'll reveal themselves after mass we've had priests come <laughs> and do that yeah. it's like oh we just thought we'd check and see if you guys are for <laughs> real <laughs> and it's like yeah, yeah you guys are and, and it's and, and it's not that you know we always you know we don't always get it right but i think you know generally there's there's that kind of experience we always like any parish you're going to have times when mm-hmm. things fall through the cracks a little bit but certainly that's that's uh, that's what we strive for every oh, single yeah. every single week. And in fairness, that's what Alpha has allotted us because people really fall in love with each other when they're sitting around a table for ten to twelve weeks. They fall in love with each other, and then when they see each other uh, mm. uh, on the weekend, they're so happy to see each other. And boy, you keep doing that, it creates this enthusiasm and excitement. And mm. when you get used to welcoming people into Alpha who maybe aren't don't go to church or maybe don't even know Jesus, then your sensitivities to those from outside raise on Sundays as well. You can be more sensitive to those that might be exploring or visiting mm. and it just permeates your whole experience of the weekend. And, mm. and that's, that's why I always say Alpha as a course is, is pretty good, but Alpha as a culture is unbeatable. Yeah. Yeah. 
What I love is that your experience of community, and it actually brings me back to something you said uh, earlier, Father James, how a parish, you know, can be multiple communities. I'm like, is that not exactly what St. Benedict Parish is? Even in one building, it's it's a community of so many communities that we see in our connect groups through Alpha Tables. And so you're 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 barging into like all these different communities and yeah. And, and I was so blessed. I went to connect group uh, last weekend. And uh, Sarah Gibson, who's 12, gave the most beautiful talk about God's love. But what was so impressive is that you see how the culture has already penetrated her at that age. So she was sharing personal experience. She was telling her own stories uh, about God's love in her life and sharing how she shared her faith with friends at school and how that happens. And she was having slides because that's what you guys do. She even at one point said, Father Alex mentioned this on the sermon and it really impacted me this way. And I was just like, Wow, that's what happens when people grow up on that, right? It's oh. such an experience. I was like, I want to take her home with me. Yeah. Maybe we should get her, get her on the podcast. Yeah, well, we really should. Totally yeah. I would podcast. love Do you know that, so but that, but that culture of storytelling is so important. The power of testimony, because it, it reminds us that we, we ought to have a story. I mean, and if the Lord has impacted your life and your, and your, intentionally seeking to follow him, you, you do have a story, you will have a story. And the more that we tell stories of, of, and celebrate transformed lives, then that changes the culture and the culture, um, feeds that the, the culture almost helps people to discover their own, their own story. So it's so important and it's wonderful <laughs> when I, even a 12 year older is discovering her story. Oh, great. Well, when you go back, when, when you go back to, to London and, and someone asks you to, 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 you know, what was it like? What are you going to say? Wow. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. <laughs> so I'm actually just joined a parish uh, who is part of the Divine Renovation Network uh, on summer. So um, there's going to be a lot of things I'll be trying to implement as I go back. So I sit on the SLT, which I'm not sure if it's a good thing for them or not. Uh, and so like welcome hospitality. So just trying to to make people feel comfortable when they come in because it is quite, quite daunting. Um, another thing that I really got it from here is the leadership. Like, Alpha has this leadership pipeline and you see leaders come, you know, they come as guests and they come ho- uh, helpers and then hosts and then you develop them. But here's St. Benedict, I, I don't know how you guys do it, but it's like mm-hmm. leadership on steroids, I guess. So like you look at Jen, who was like scared to come into a church not so long ago and she's now leading this Mom's Loves Coffee ministry. <laughs> and like how do you get, like, do you know what I mean? Like you guys get it there so fast and get someone super comfortable to really take on a ministry and have the whole culture mm. of sharing story, of being invitational, being welcome. And she's bringing all her moms that don't know Jesus to like, to hear. So I'm going to take some of that on like, you know, intentionally spending time with mm. potential leaders yeah. and kind of walking through with them, not just expecting. Ron, could you, could you speak it. into that? Why do you think there's mm. such a, a strong culture of, of leadership and, and, and forming leaders and doing it as, as, as Joe is mm. saying fairly quickly? Yeah. I think part of it is because, you know, if I look at Father James's leadership style, because he's the one who invited me into ministry at St. Benedict Parish when he took over there as a pastor, but he has a really incredible gift of delegating, recruiting great people, expecting great things, and letting them go and, and, and do what it is they're called to do. And uh, I generally, yes, I have been good at that, but after that, I was usually pretty terrible at supporting people. <laughs> I delegated and set them up and said, you know, call me if you've got a problem. (laughs) Well, and then we did restructure to address that. But I guess the point is, though, you weren't afraid of failure. 
you are always willing to take risks for the sake of mission. And you believed in people and you let them know you believed in them. And so that type of leadership is, is who you are. And, and you instilled that in me. Like I've, I've been going to church my whole life. Nobody's empowered me to do what I've done, do what I do now, but you have, and you took a risk on me and we take risks on other people. And sometimes it's messy. And what I love about that is you don't lose your marbles when it gets messy. It's like, oh, well, let's fix it. Like, we'll fix it. But we'd rather have things to fix because we're going forward yes. than have nothing to fix because Amen. we've stayed the same. Amen. And that's our culture. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're going to have to bring that back. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. <laughs> Our big buddy, Father Stephen. Oh, poor Father Stephen. Now, let me ask you a question. Yeah. You said uh, I'm on the, the senior leadership team, which for those of you who are listening, that's a, a team of three, four people who gather around the pastor to help make, the, help make decisions. It's, it's, it's a kind of a formal, intentional way to consult, but it's, it's not just about consultation. It really is about shared leadership mm. uh, without, in a way that doesn't undermine the leadership mm. of, of the parish priest, as they say in England. Now, you jokingly said, I'm not sure if that's a good thing. Why, 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 why would you say that? Well, <laughs> so the first meeting we had, so I'm quite new to the parish. I came in at summer. And so Father Stephen sat with us. Well, he invited me, obviously, and we had a conversation about it. And so I discerned such a joy. And then on the first meeting, he's explaining what it is. And he was saying, so this is a time where you got to be honest and you've got to, you know, argument. And if you're not happy, discuss. And then we'll make decisions and we just go do it. And I was like, wow, I've got to be honest, <laughs> argumentative. This job was made for me. <laughs> and then so like on the first one, I was just like, well, yeah, no, I feel like you're missing this. And then I was like, oh, I'm sorry, am I really allowed to be like <laughs> suggesting things already on day one? And he was like, yeah, that's why you're here. So I don't know, they might get tired eventually. <laughs> well, but, but that's the, but that's the great just... <laughs> thing, right? Because we often do miss things. We, mm. None of us has, has, you know, sees everything. You know, we all have blind spots and that's why it's so key to have people who are going to see some things that we, that say the priest that doesn't see yeah. and have the freedom and the maturity and the love to actually speak out, you know, to speak the truth in love. Mm. I mean, we're, we're not talking about, you know, argumentative for the sake of arguing. It, yeah. it really is speaking the truth in love so that, so that together mm. uh, we can make the best decisions possible. And it does take a while to, to understand, like it takes so much, like you and I had an opportunity mm -hmm. to sit down sure. and start leaning into strength themes and talking about that a little bit, because if we're going to be great leaders, we need to be self-aware. Mm -hmm. We need to be aware of who we are and maybe some of our impacts that we don't intend. Mm -hmm. And we need to own that. And we need to be honest with each other in the team mm -hmm. because we're going to step over the line in the wrong way from time to time. And we need to give people permission to kind of, draws mm -hmm. back and to be able to speak it in love mm -hmm. because that's the dynamics. That's the human dynamics of teams. And I think if a senior leadership team, if a church is going to get mission, right, it's got to get leadership, right. And if it's going to get leadership, right, it has to get individuals, right. And we have to be willing to lead from, a, we, we, from a place of vulnerability. Mm. And that's going to take some That would make a great tweet. And <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, and I, I'll look for it and I'll retweet it. And that's one of the things I'll be taking back as well. Like you guys model this so well. Like the vulnerability I see amongst you and the, like the conversations that you're having. Um, yeah, it's just really inspired me. And I think as a senior leadership, we're quite new and we are getting there. Mm. But just that intentionality about being vulnerable, be, being able to share, look, this is where I'm not so strong at. So sometimes I might do this. So you're going to have to work out. And, being, and then speaking truth, but in love. 
Mm. Uh, yeah, I would definitely gotta take that back as well. Like it's you mm. guys just being so great at modeling this. Mm. So thank you. thank you. So Joe, I'd love to help. I'd love to see the world through your eyes for a moment. See, like the Divine Renovation, we, we, we work obviously all over all over the world, but you're connecting with the Catholic Context mm. Coordinators globally. And so you must have some sense of what, what what's happening in the global Catholic Church. I'd just love to understand from your perch, what, what do you see going on in the globally in the Catholic world? Yeah, it's it's super hopeful. Um, so Alpha in Catholic Context has uh, been growing, uh, probably the fastest growing for Alpha in terms of context. Um, and and we see like the USA like almost like double the number of churches running Alpha and then Poland and we're just seeing people really take on like people want to make a difference like people want to change they're not happy with how the churches are at the moment and they see a need for it and so and I I, I think Divine Revelation speaks so highly into it so like Alpha as you start running Alpha questions start being raised challenges start coming up and I feel like Divine Revelation just helps like give that big picture, frame it and like what to do afterwards and how to like really transform and start this parish renewal. So globally, I'm, I'm super excited. We're starting to see so many really great things uh, happening and I, I just can't wait. I just feel like the Catholic Church is just going to be on fire and I, yeah, I just can't mm. wait and I'm so blessed to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Do you find that there's some areas of the world where there's more activity and some areas where there's less? Like, are there places that are harder for the Catholic Church to get traction? Like, how does that look to you? Um, yeah. So in some countries, it is hard to get traction going. Uh, and then it, it, it be that they haven't seen the need for it yet. So like in Brazil, like where I come from, the churches are packed and there's right. loads of young people but it's a culture, right? And so it is harder to get it in there. We just started and some doors started opening, some bishops started opening. Because if you don't address it now, if only address it when you see the need, then we're in trouble. But there is, yeah, there will be countries like the Philippines where, you know, the majority is Catholic. The churches are packed. Um, Like there was a priest from India at the R18 and we're having lunch and talking. And he was just like, more people at church. I already have like 20,000 people come on Sunday. I don't want any more people in my church. <laughs> and it's like, how, yeah, how do you inspire someone to be like, okay, this is what parish renewal would look like in your context. And Right. Be- you know, I heard it said one time that, you know, it's not bums and seats, mm. uh, bums and pews that change the world. It's people filled with the Holy Spirit that change the world. And, and if our, if, if our definition of success is a full church and a flush bank account then but that's not that's not the call <laughs> that's right and and besides you know f- you know full churches are, are very relative things i remember a number of years ago we were speaking at a conference in paris and the morning it was a sunday morning we were flying out so we actually had um mass that morning in the chapel before we went to the airport and it was packed it was standing room only in fact mm. there was people there were people right out the door uh mm. when all five of us celebrated mass Wow. Because it was a little tiny place. Oh. It's a little room. <laughs> I'm thinking. What? But it was packed, standing room only, packed out the door, all tiny five of us. <laughs> uh, it is relative. You know, the, a full church means nothing. Yep. Like, like we're measuring the wrong thing. Your, your measurements are way off. If we had such sloppy, if we took confidence in such sloppy measurements in other areas of life, we would be in big trouble, big trouble. Mm. Uh, so we've got to ask the question, what is... 
you know, even if you if you want to measure church attendance, okay, let's pretend that that alone is a good measurement. It's not a bad one, but it doesn't necessarily measure making disciples. But even that one alone, well, in comparison to what? What yes. is the population in your area? What percentage of people are you actually reaching? And is your church attendance keeping keeping pace with the with the growth in population? That's what you've got to look at. And in addition, you've got to find some way of, of identifying what are the indicators of spiritual growth. So Because we're called to make right. missionary disciples, to use the language of Pope Francis, not just simply to, to have Mass. Well, we were, you and I were at, a, were at Shannon McDonald's place for dinner one number of years ago and met with her pastor and, and a seminarian came up to me and he said, hey, I, I understand you're going through some rough times in Atlanta, Canada right now. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I understand you don't have enough priests and you know some of the churches might be closing. I thought, oh, yeah, fair enough. It's true. And he said, well, not us. You know, We're building a new church every year, uh, and our churches are full. And I said, okay. I said, well, if I went to your church and I just randomly pulled 20 people aside and said, hey, have you brought anybody to, the, to faith in the last couple of years? What would they say? And it was so funny to look at his face. He's like, you wouldn't ask people that, would you? Right, we don't even expect it. It's like we don't expect people to be fruitful. We just need them to come to church. That's right. It's like what? <laughs> like, that's keeping them infants. Yeah. We want them to go and change the world and conquer the world in the name of Jesus and live out their gifts to make a difference in people's lives. If we're not leading that, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> what in God's green earth are we doing? Well, Joe, it's been such a pleasure to have you here in studio, here with our team, here in Halifax. You've been such a blessing to, to be around. And so thank you for being here. But thank you to your neighbor. That yes. neighbor that yes. day. Clarissa. Like, like, like yeah. It is just, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see how that one small act has, has led to, to such an amazing ripple effect, uh, not just uh, to our team, but globally through Alpha. So, so thanks so much, Joe, for being here. Now, if people want to learn more about Alpha in the Catholic Context, where, where should they find your social channels and all that stuff? Uh, so our website's alpha.org forward slash Catholics. And then Twitter is Alpha Catholics. And then Facebook as well, Alpha Catholics. Perfect. Yeah. Alpha Catholics. Do all that searching and you'll be able to find all the Alpha in the Catholic Context people. If you want to find us, look for Divine Renovation. Uh, and, and you know what? Don't just find us. But if you could... Try and get the word out. If you find this this podcast of, of help to you and if you enjoy it, perhaps you know someone else who might as well. So we encourage you to share it. Share it on your social channels and share it by word of mouth. Thanks so much for being with us and we'll connect with you again next week. 